1: Plus.
0: Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV Deputy Editor Ben Travers. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a CSI revival, Quibi's first foray into the commercial space, and the Oscars telecast. <laughs> you guys laughed at my intro. What did I do poorly? Oh, oh, no, no, no.
2: I was laughing at Libby's the The face that Libby made when you said... Quibby's foray into For advertisement or whatever. Commercials. Like, yeah, he just, she just had a classic Libby reaction shot, which again, if we had cameras running at all times, this would make perfect sense. But this
1: is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up, I'm busy. Boy, what a great show.
0: Skipping ahead to... The Clicker. Our recap of the Dig biggest it. news items from this past week. Libby. Hey. Is there a crime scene investigation... Show that may be coming back into our
1: lives. I'm not familiar with that the, title, but those, if you mean, is they are they rebooting CSI? It's entirely possible.
0: Will there be glasses? Leo. Will there will there be puns? So CBS what, so is what, thinking wait.
1: about bringing back uh, CSI as an event series. Now reading between the lines, because CBS has refused to confirm. Um, this year it would be the 20th anniversary of the series, which launched obviously in 2000. So the theory is that it would come back in October when the original series began, and I assume be like a short run of episodes, um, sort of a a self-contained story. So let's say eight episodes, they'd bring back as much of the original cast as they could, and they would just put on another show. Um,
2: Would Patty Arquette be coming back?
1: No, they don't have computers within the original cast.
2: So there was so there would Ted be no. So Ted Danson s- isn't returning, huh? So Ted Danson isn't returning.
1: No, I don't think so. Although,
0: would, would David Crusoe cross over? We take a no, flight from Miami to Vegas.
1: No, I don't. I don't think so. Well, these are all great questions. Gary Sinise and I imagine we will discuss all of this in our special edition of the podcast, talking exclusively about the CSI event series in October.
0: I just like the idea of a road trip, true detective style show where David Crusoe has to pick up Gary Sinise (laughs) and they gotta drive to Las Vegas together.
2: And then they solve a crime with William Peterson. If you look at the event television Wikipedia page, Mm -hmm. which describes event television, Parentheses, sometimes used in verb form as the buzzword eventize. Oh, Event television no. is a television network marketing concept which yeah. arose in the early 2010s and is characterized by a shift in priorities toward enticing audiences to watch programming immediately as it is broadcast, which is, I mean, just the definition of all network television at this point. Um, I hate it. But...
0: It's like the death tax
2: of, My. Uh, my favorite, terms. my favorite part of the page is, is their examples. The examples they have listed uh, go from uh, the X Factor to the Jay Leno Show,
1: oh, to
2: 24 Live Another Day, to Twin Peaks: The Return, an, an event that was an event.
1: That was an event. It's the don't. only one
2: keeping the event series afloat, I would say, since yeah. all the other examples are not good.
1: Oh so not good. I think that doing a revisiting CSI is a good idea. There, I said it. I think CSI was different and interesting when it came out. It was nice to, it was a nice break in in that procedural sort of series that wasn't so locked into kind of the police POV, uh, which only grows more precarious as years go by. And so going in, going back, revisiting that pop science sort of thing, like we don't have that right now. We don't have fringe anymore. We, we, it's um, an itch that I would like scratched and I see why they would want to kind of revisit it with the original cast. And then I suppose if the ratings and the interest were there, they would, I imagine, look into doing a full fledged reboot um, in the years to come, but that's, just gross speculation at this point.
0: The clicker, guys. Do you have a quibby to talk about something right now? Can we talk about those quibby commercials that aired during the Oscars?
2: What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, Good? they were great. No, you didn't.
2: I think they're. I think they're extremely effective in what they're aiming to do. Annoy me. Mm, I mean, yes.
1: <sighs>
0: do you really want to watch the fugitive or uh, Chance the Rapper's Punked show now?
2: Well, I think that was the that was the interesting decision about the ads that have aired or that at least the, the, the runners that aired throughout the Academy Awards, um, it was that they didn't really show any footage from the shows that they've got coming out. They were selling uh, the app, the brand. Uh, they were selling the word itself. And since a lot of people have been mocking Quibi in the industry for its name specifically, uh, if not the rest of its, its concept, uh, which is quick bites of entertainment, AKA 10 minutes or less episodes. Um, I mean, they're trying to, you know, have a little fun with, with their name. They're trying to read, they're trying to introduce it on their own terms. And, um, (laughs) I don't want to say it's the best possible scenario in which they could do this but i do i would hope that something named quibi would be able to have a sense of humor about itself and i think that uh their choice to air that during the oscars speaks more toward uh just that's the largest body they can reach post Super Bowl before launch uh in one go uh, as opposed to the ambition of the shows themselves so yeah i mean i think they probably got a lot of people asking, what the heck is this thing? And a lot of people now know what Quibi means. And they're going to make fun of them. But they've already been making fun of them. So I guess lean into it
1: is the theory. I hate those commercials. I think they are bad in that I find them very annoying. That said, they are ridiculously effective. And I will say that I think that the way that they're rolling out their press or their, their ad campaign is very smart, dropping the single ad during the Super Bowl uh, with Chance the Rapper and then not really following up on it. And then one week later, you have the Oscars. They have at least three different spots, three different commercials um, in which they are teaching you the language uh, of their company, and they're also laying the the groundwork for those outside of the industry to understand what this is. Oh, okay, these are like bite-sized bits of television, like eight minute episodes, and I can just watch them quick on my phone. And that's the whole purpose. Now, I assume that for the next, they'll get into something more. I really grudgingly think this is great because what we saw with Apple TV Plus was that, they didn't do this with their rollout. They didn't teach people how to watch them. They didn't teach people what it was. They didn't have, and I know I beat this drum all the time, but they didn't have Steve Carell out there being telling them how to watch the morning show. Um, and I think it hurt them. Mm-hmm. I would say I know it hurt them. Um, so whatever my feelings are about Quibi and the fact that, no, Leo, I still don't have a show on Quibi.
0: Thank God. <sighs> Otherwise, the podcast would end.
1: That's very true. Despite the fact that I still don't have a show, I I think that they have their uh, their early game plans in check.
0: I mean, they also spotlighted like what you would consider the biggest, you know, names. Even though they didn't show full clips, they weren't trailers for the shows. You get Bill Murray, you get Liam Hemsworth, you get Chrissy Teigen, you get Idris Elba.
2: Yeah, you get you you get an idea of. Um, I guess the, the the quality of programming that they're offering uh, again, not in the sense that they're going to be gunning for awards, but in the sense that they have talent that are seen in are are, are widely known and uh, you know work in the industry and and are seen in other platforms. So um, it felt to me like yeah, they they delivered their message very effectively. They're starting from scratch as opposed to other strategies that presume to to or that felt like they they trusted the audience to know more than they already did. Um, I think it'll be interesting when Quibi has kind of pushed past this initial kind of launch phase to see how they market their individual shows. Um, I think it's I think the crux of this launch still rests in the product itself. I mean. <laughs> A lot of people, again, on a, on a very subjective basis, which means basically nothing, but a lot of people I've talked to who are first being introduced to Quibi, their main question is, wait, you want me to pay for something in which I'm getting less content? And I don't have a good answer for that because uh, until they, they prove that they can produce really good shows that people want to watch, even though they're only going to be X number of minutes long, um, I think they're they're going to have to try to educate people on what the service is and then hopefully hurdle that when they when they have to.
0: So Sunday was the Academy Awards. I was there kind of in a tent. Kind, kind of <laughs> No, I was, I was, ac- I was across the street behind Jimmy Kimmel studio in what they call the pool feed tent, uh, where essentially, uh, I was grabbing the signal from the show and from backstage to, uh, cut and edit little tasty tidbits, uh, of what was going on at the show for our audience.
2: Little quibbies? Short, Jesus.
0: shorter. D- these are half quibby. Mini quibs? Yeah, like quarter quibbies? quibs? Quarter quibs. Quarter quibs. <laughs> 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 Q squared. See, it's working. <laughs> Q squareds. My experience of the Oscars was uh, a little stranger because, you know, I'm listening to various audio streams at once. But uh, the sense I got from the, the trailer was a lot of what the hell is going on in this show? Ben, you reviewed the Oscars for us.
1: The what indie were, Wire.
0: What were your thoughts? Aside from your headline, which is perfect, "Parasite"? wins so well, nothing else matters.
2: <laughs> uh, credit to the both of you for helping me come up with that halfway through the show. Um, but no the, the the telecast itself was uh, a disaster. and I think it's important to remember how we kind of ended up in the state we're in because um, last year's show was the one that got a lot of buzz and a lot of people talking because they tried and failed to hire a host and they decided to go hostless. And that is a much different process than just deciding all all along to not have a host, which is what happened in 2020. Um, When you hire somebody like Kevin Hart and then he backs out because of different online issues and backlash, um, and then there are other uh, behind-the-scenes catastrophes going down, like saying you're going to cut categories from the air and then backing out of that and saying, no, 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 we'll show them. Um, it stimulates a lot of kind of, I want to watch a train wreck. Uh, like people tune in because they're like, oh man, this sounds like it's going to be a mess. Uh, I kind of want to see what's going to happen here. Um, which is, again, about probably the same audience you'd get if you just hired a good host that some people might want to tune in to see, even if it's a host we've seen before, like Steve Martin or Chris Rock. Um, but this year there was there was none of that. And entering the show, all it was, was year two without a host So you're pitching another familiar product, which we've already seen. We've seen that version of the show. Uh, And then you're also not giving them any additional reasons to watch outside of saying we've got the stars and somebody's going to win best picture. And you've heard this 91 times for the last 91 years. Just watch it again. Um, I think that's an incredibly bad sales pitch. I also think There were incredibly bad decisions made within the show uh to keep the audience entertained um but to to your point the the general sense of it being a disjointed messy telecast was that um there was no guiding principle at the core and the decisions they made to try to surprise people just confused them rather than delighted them like the m m performance (laughs) His app was was met with universal "What the fuck is happening?"
0: That's what I that's what I was referencing. <laughs> I, assu- the, the, I
2: assumed as much.
0: The entire pool feed tent was like, "What is ha- what is happening right now?" Why I is- could
1: not believe it was actually happening. I was sitting on the couch at home and I was like, "Okay, well, this is quickly going to segue into anything else," and then it didn't. And yeah.
2: And I, I feel like usually in a scenario in a similar scenario when there is a surprise performance or a surprise aspect of something live that a lot of people are watching, uh, usually we get an answer pretty quick. Usually we get an uh, it's like, oh, I didn't think about that, but obviously that's the reason this happened. And uh, that just didn't happen this year. Like the hook was basically that he didn't perform when the song was nominated 18 years ago
1: right and didn't accept his Oscar and he wasn't
2: for it. there to accept it. And this year when they just randomly decided to highlight, I, I don't even remember how they described it. The the, the the montage that they showed leading into his performance was about how movie music gets so intertwined with the movie itself that they are that they boost each other. Mm-hmm. And they did a weird montage about that. And then Eminem came on stage and everybody was like, what the hell is happening? Um,
1: but now, that's... that is the best Oscar winning original song of all time.
0: Without a doubt.
1: Without a doubt.
0: I mean, I think 3 Six Mafia has something to say about that.
1: Wow. Uh, disagree, <laughs> but okay.
2: Yeah, you're both horribly wrong, but <laughs> we're, we're going to set that aside for a minute and just focus I on- I think Libby
0: was being facetious as if I-
1: Not really. Oh, really? Yeah, no? I, I, yeah. That felt
2: like serious, Libby
1: Yeah, that's very- I'm um, very serious about this.
2: But I, I would say that one, the best case scenario for something like that is that everybody is, they look past their confusion and are just excited. And there were people in the room who seemed to be excited, but also people just know that song. So they're going to sing along. It's a, it's a very good song. Um so that, that's that's one thing, but they had to keep it secret. So there was no marketing. There was no, hey, tune in for this surprise guest performance. There was no hinting that it was Eminem. There was no hinting that they were going to celebrate an iconic musical moment. It was like they were trying to recreate the buzz that, They got from last year's ceremony when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper performed by manufacturing something that didn't really belong there. And also there is no manufacturing a moment like that because it just was so intrinsic to the ceremony itself to that year's Oscars. Um, But then the reaction again was just confusion. Like people are happy to hear that song again, but we've heard it for 18 years. (laughs) Nothing has changed. Eminem's stature has not gone up. Uh, I'd say it probably has gone down. But even if it hasn't, in your opinion, that's not going to be the reason you watch the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the best they can do with something like that is just to say, look, the Oscars are surprising. And their best example of that was Parasite. (laughs) Their best example of that was something they already had in the show. And they kept making so many decisions that undercut the best of what the Oscars have to offer, which is moments like Parasite, when even if you hadn't seen the movie, you could feel in the room how excited people were that it was winning that it was doing this that this was a historical moment um that you have to trust not that that will happen but that that's the real power no matter what actually does happen that's the reason people have enjoyed the watching the academy awards for as many years as it's been on and whatever you do surrounding it has to be focused on those elements it has to be about this year in cinema or what has happened during this past year of cinema and it felt so much like they were just desperate for anything else to talk about and to do and to show that it was that it was just a mess but again bong jun ho saves the academy awards because he's just the best
0: i mean i'd argue that if you if you want to do something surprising you probably have to have people watching to surprise and the fact that numbers were <laughs> were down from 29 million last year to 23 million this year you're not by doing the surprise element no one's tuning in and then on on top of that i always hate when these shows are bloated by other things because and then you're playing people off they have to have the crowd tell them to turn the lights back up so the other producer of parasite could talk and and granted i would watch bong talk for 40 minutes 40 minutes like every acceptance speech of his was was great but you're cutting everyone's speech short so you can add you know eminem's you know performance some pretty like, none of the montages were really Montages great.
2: are always a bad idea.
0: Like, showing... showing. I think a good montage is... I'm, I'm a fan of montages if they're good.
2: You're on the record of you this. You gotta be good. Um, showing the clips of the nominees is essential. Having a random montage is inessential and usually undercuts the, the mood of the ceremony. But this is a subjective opinion, I will admit.
1: Here is... Like, no, but here's the problem. The problem was the introductions to the introductions...
2: The presenters of the presenters.
1: Right. The presenters of the presenters. The problem is having, before every category, or before the acting categories, a montage of the performances and not somehow announcing the nominees during that. They doubled up in a lot of stupid places that wasted a lot of time. And maybe most harmful was the fact that doing that sucked all of the air out of the room. Like, there was no momentum whatsoever. Um, Plus- the best song nominees this year were terrible. And, and uh, Cynthia Rivo aside, because she was the best, like none of those musical performances gave any energy to the show.
0: One of my friends was tweeting and said something along the lines of like, there's nothing like watching old men at pia- sitting down at pianos while a crowd of people sitting down in their chairs, uh, just watching with blank stares. Like, that's exciting yeah. television to no one.
2: And and that's exactly why, you know, you can see kind of the the gears turning behind the scenes at with, with ABC and with the Academy trying to figure out the show and saying, okay, well, we know we've got to show all of the musical, all the best song nominees because we got into trouble for trying to cut it last year. And we know these aren't the most exciting performers in the world, but we're going to have to figure out a way to make that entertaining. And they just added, they just added the opening number from Janelle Monet. and um, she is fantastic and she did a fantastic job, but she had to, literally get into the faces of the guests to try to get them to respond to her song and sing along and snap along and try to get, you know, any sort of excitement built in the room itself. And then once she'd done that, they cut to a two-person, a two-handed monologue with two old hosts who aren't hosting again, who make jokes about the fact that they used to host and aren't hosting. It, It undercuts everything. They doubled down on a lot of redundancies that didn't help the show and light, to to what you were saying at the at the start about the surprise element of it, I can again understand the theorizing of like, okay, if we have this big surprise guest and people like it, in the future they're gonna be like, hey, remember when the Oscars had that really cool surprise guest? We should tune in again this year because who knows what's gonna happen? It's the Oscars. Build on that reputation. But that doesn't work with your chosen performer. Like Eminem's great, but that's not what people came to see in 2020. And that's not a relevant song right now. And it is better than the songs that were nominated, but you don't get to make that choice. You don't get to just say, this is more important than the people we, like the Academy chose to honor.
1: Number one, cut all of the songs. I don't need to see them performed. Play clips. We do that with everything else. I don't know why the songs need to be performed.
0: I actually think a montage of the song underneath clips from the movie would be a stronger choice to like, Highlight what the what the songs do.
1: Yes, but the problem is with plenty of those songs, they aren't in the movie. They're the first oh, song in no, the a- post No, I think you have to edit it.
0: It's a package thing.
1: Hey,
2: it's a montage. It's
0: a montage. Yeah, you have you have Cynthia Revo singing stand up with clips from Harriet.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 that is much more a credit. Academy, to... Academy, call
0: me up. I'll start cutting those things for you.
1: Well, here's the other thing: is that if you want to showcase these songs in their best possible way do them in their finished form, marry them to the movie they were featured in, which is literally what the lead into Eminem was about. yep um was how music can make a, a movie moment so much more than than what it would be alone. Um they're just they're just doing themselves a disservice at every turn. and like, I love the Oscars. I'll never not watch the Oscars, but clearly, <laughs> That is not how everyone feels.
2: Yeah, the ratings the ratings were down, and I would again, I I, I really do feel that there were a, a surprising number of mistakes made from just a decision making standpoint during like to to in in producing the show. Um, but again, to the to the to the point of we're there to honor the people of this year. I think you've got to make collective decisions and there's always going to be there's nine times out of ten going to be somebody who's singing that you want the full performance of and they probably wanted all of El- elton john so if they're like we're gonna do elton john maybe we can convince taryn to come on and, and sing with him and do it like a whatever the heck um not but then, when you don't nominate him not when you don't yeah. nominate um but you're usually gonna want one so then if you do the one you gotta do them all and and if, again like this year if they decided that all of the songs were going to get the montage kind of treatment that you're talking about, then great. But you can't pick and choose because then you're playing favorites and then it looks bad, just like the presenters who are presenting the presenters looks bad because you're literally saying, hey, Kelly Marie Tran is great. We want to put her on TV, but she's not good enough to be on the stage. She's not good enough to present by herself. And that is a terrible look for the Academy. It's a terrible look for everybody who's there and trying to be excited about these awards, which you know, are already a, a, like just tarnished by controversy and competitiveness and overspending and all the stuff that Walking Phoenix complained about during the entire award season. Um, but again, that's why Bong saved it. Bong just showed up and was like, I love everybody here. I'm going to use my best director speech to make a very sweet tribute to Martin Scorsese. I'm going to talk about all the other directors, even the ones who I'm clearly not as in love with. Who like they're not legends like Quentin Tarantino and and Martin Scorsese, Todd, but I'm, I'm going to talk. I'm about about with your work, <laughs> Dad. I didn't see Joker. But I can't believe you're
1: you got nominated for your first film.
2: Yeah, I can't believe you're sitting there instead of Ben anyway. Affleck. You got to work with the cards you've been dealt. And they refused to do that this year, and it really screwed with the ceremony. And then, you know, by a miracle of that, only the the core Academy watchers like you, Libby, like me, like Leo, like we care about Parasite saved it, and that was great for us. But again, we're gonna watch it every year. Yeah. You gotta right. deliver stuff for everybody, and right. uh, the ratings showed that they failed in marketing and they failed in delivering it during the show. Yeah, uh, the gist of this is something that Libby brought up a little bit earlier in the sense that w- one note for the ratings is that you know, live TV in general, broadcast television in general, all of them, all of the ratings are down. Like, They're all struggling to earn an audience. We talked about it last year with the Emmys, uh, the Golden Globes were down, the Super Bowl was down. Um, you know, Everybody has different drops, but they're all dropping. Um, and as Libby mentioned, this, at least in part, can be contributed to the fact that they aren't in competition against things that previously got the fuck out of their way or didn't exist.
1: Right, right, and not even like we're not even talking about how Showtime legitimately premiered Homeland and the second season of Kidding Live against
2: the final season of Homeland. Yeah, the final it's a big season. People have been of waiting for this.
1: Yeah, Live against the Oscars, like. No one, like, like that is unthinkable five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but the other side of that is the Oscars are also airing live against literally everything on Netflix, mm-hmm. everything on Hulu, everything on your 300 other cable channels. Just
0: wait till Quibi launches.
1: Yeah. It's going
2: to be
0: competing with Quibi.
1: Yeah.
2: They're literally competing against the a lot of the movies that were nominated. Right. Because they're already available to watch.
1: Essentially, all of these award shows are being decimated by that sort of peak TV mentality. And and peak TV is very limiting because it's also peak film. Um, you have Netflix churning out dozens of new movies every month. And you can't stay on top of them. And everything is is specifically crafted to appeal to your tastes but not everyone's um because we have all of this because we're seeing more and more entertainment earmarked specifically for us because we get more representation because we get more diversity we're all watching different things so the water cooler is gone and the oscars the emmys the golden globes that used to those used to be our 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 water coolers and if we're all not watching the same thing there's really no sense in meeting up at the awards ceremonies again i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think it's too bad that fraser isn't winning every year at like (laughs) at the emmys i don't think um I don't think we all, every year needs to have a Titanic because that means we get things like Atlanta mm-hmm. and we get things like like Fleabag. We get things like Parasite, an international film, winning best picture, and it's amazing. And I would trade that. I will trade those smaller audiences, those smaller live Nielsen audiences for more representative and more... Um, accurate awards. And I think we need to let go of that idea that live ratings are the be-all, end-all because it just doesn't match up with the life we live now.
0: People just don't watch things the way they used to. The YouTube views, I was sitting next to Preston for Variety, like our our views on Twitter and their views on YouTube and Twitter were huge in the multi-million range. And so the idea that that's where people people are just watching each like the interesting speeches essentially you're getting the best versions of the show condensed for you by an outlet
2: when we think about when we think about what the oscars should be focusing on what producers can do not to boost the ratings because again the ratings are just a picture they're just an idea of of how many people about tuned in and whether or not you produced a successful television event, like whether or not you were able to actually get people to want to watch it, which again is what matters. Um, The question is, if I forgot the Oscars were happening, which again, in Los Angeles, maybe that doesn't happen. There's too many billboards and all the other shit, but elsewhere around the world, especially when you move it up three weeks and it's the week after the Super Bowl when everybody else had just had a big party and just gone out and done something on a Sunday night, um, it's possible that somebody forgets. So they're sitting at home and they're planning to watch Homeland or The Walking Dead or um,
0: The Office for the eight hundred. The times. Office for the eight,
2: That's their Sunday night tradition. They're very excited about it, um, or they're just you know resigned to it, and and that's fine. When they remember, whether it's through Twitter, or a text from their friend, or an ad they saw during a football game, whatever is attached to that reminder has to be better than what they were planning to do. You have to create something that is more enticing than all of the peak TV things that Libby just talked about. You have to give them a reason to tune in.
0: Can I offer you Billie Eilish singing Yesterday over in the Absolutely
2: not. Like absolutely, you cannot. You cannot do that, especially when it was so close to after we just saw Billie Eilish perform at the Grammys. Like you cannot just copy something that already existed and trust that that's going to be the incentive to get people to tune in in the moment, especially when. Those specific moments can be watched in their capsule format elsewhere. So you have to come up with something that is enticing throughout the show. That's why a host is so important. If you're promising somebody, you have to, and again, I'm not saying it's just the host. I'm not saying that's the only problem, though clearly that's a problem. They need to bring back the host. But you need to give people a reason to watch this instead of the million other things that they're already planning to do. And. I don't think that a lot of broadcast people have thought about it like that, which is just possibly incredibly arrogant of me to say because it's not that complicated of an idea, but also it is not reflected in the ideas presented to us at this year's Oscars.
0: It's tough to produce a live event and sort of keep it tight, but adding all these sort of obstacles to get to come in under three hours or whatever their their aim is having people have to introduce themselves to introduce someone else because there is no shorthand to be like you met me at the beginning you know who i am here's this thing it's like let me introduce this is who i am and why i'm here and now that you know that here's two other people coming now that 15 to 20 seconds that stuff adds up over the course of an evening oh yeah and then but it also like kills any sense of flow or exactly. momentum forward.
2: And that's that's exactly it. Like the the problem isn't that the show was long, it's that the show felt long. The problem is never that it is actually long because if it's long and you actually produce a good show, if you got good if it's long because the speeches are good and you let them keep talking, that's great. That's okay. Nobody's complaining about that yeah. because you've delivered on the thing that you promised to have. But if you're crowding it with those redundancies, which you can see from a million miles away, are redundancies then you're setting yourself up to fail.
1: Well, let me go a step further and say that the Oscars or any award show is not a place to make um, self-deprecating jokes. <laughs> like, I don't want the Oscars to make jokes about how white they are. I want them to fix how white they are. Mm-hmm. I don't want the Oscars to joke about how long the show is. I want them to fix how long the show is. Yep. And and uh, And I don't need them commenting on it. Like...
2: The only, the only point I'd make to that would be, one, if the joke's good enough, it's going to carry it through. Sure. And this year they were not. Two, I do think there is a, a somewhat important distinction to be made between a host and the Academy themselves. Like if you are the host of the show and you you... Show up and you don't acknowledge everything that's being talked about for the organization no, that's behind true. you. Then that could be a problem. But but to your point, I think the pro- the problem with this year's was that one they weren't hosts, so they didn't really have a responsibility right. to do it, and two the jokes were really lazy and bad. Yeah, and they just they weren't they weren't self conscious gonna- enough to deliver on on what they were trying to say. Like if you're going to have something to say about it, then try to back it up with some sort of action. Um, like I mean, it's great that that they had Steve Martin and Chris Rock. They had a, a a black man and a white man on stage to try to you know who were former hosts who could come out and deliver you know a, a moment of of humor. Um, but those two guys delivering a joke about women being excluded from the directors' yeah. roles, it's still like that. That's too tone deaf to work, and it's too bad of a joke. So just yeah. don't do it.
1: Yeah, and then the fact that that same joke, the lack of female directors which was a travesty coming up again and again it just made me matter every time it came up like
2: and it, it's a, it usually peaks with me like that kind of anger usually peaks when the academy representative comes out not to say hey we're working on these things right. We've in, we've had this measure we've heard what you're saying but to say hey we've got a museum opening <laughs> later this year come give us your money yeah it's like god just get it together like just take a minute to step back and try to see how the world sees you
1: read the fucking room
2: which is you rtr know, what a host does usually yeah it's just surprising and more disappointing the mo- the morning after for bong to look back at the ceremony and be like <sighs> you delivered the best movie of the year and the academy the voters actually responded to that and your message of universal love and admiration for cinema and the show crafted to honor that just didn't give a shit
0: Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson, our publisher is James Israel and our executive editor is Anne Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Play. So leave a review and maybe we'll mention your critiques and take some of your notes. This has been Libby and Leo Remind you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you.
1: You shouldn't let poets lie to you.
0: Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>